right, and we have our guest Dave Smith as our speaker for today. Well, good morning. Glad that you're here today. And um, we talked to Mark uh, on our way over, and Mark's feeling better. And so um, keep praying for him. I'm sure he was uh, still really weak, he said. Um, but uh, he's got Jenny there to help him out. So I'm sure he's going to be doing okay. So um, just before we read uh, God's word and look into it, let's pray real quick. Father, thank you that you are worthy of all of our praise. Your son is worthy of all of our praise. Your spirit is worthy of our praise. And we thank you, Father, for your people that are here today. We pray that as we open your word, as we look into the truths of your word, Father, that you would, by your spirit, teach us and encourage us. Thank you so much for your amazing love for us. Thank you that you demonstrated your love uh, for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Thank you, Father, um, that you are a God who saves, and you save us completely. You save us for eternity. And thank you, Father, that um, until we get into eternity, um, you're going to walk with us. You're going to be with us. The Lord is our shepherd. The Spirit is our helper. You are our Father. Uh, Father, we thank you so much for your great love. Bless your word today. Be with Mark uh, and Jenny. Help uh, Mark to feel better, we pray. And uh, we just uh, pray that your people will be encouraged today, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, you can see the title. Uh, not a lot of people uh, are familiar with the Bema Seat of Christ, sometimes called the Judgment Seat of Christ. Are, have any of you ever heard those terms before, the Bema Seat of Christ? Couple, okay. Or sometimes in the Scripture it's called the Judgment Seat of Christ. The, the word judgment there in those passages is um, translated from a Greek word called Bema. Um, and uh, so we want to talk a little bit about that. It actually really fit that last song that God is worthy of our praise and our life is to give him praise. And so that's part of what... Um, we want to talk about today that uh, the very life that we live, the works that we do, um, are to give God praise. And then we're rewarded for those things um, at the Bema Seat or the Judgment Seat of Christ. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie The Gladiator before, um, but at the beginning of the movie, um, Russell Crowe, he's the general, and he's got these, looks like 10,000 Roman soldiers and they've got the archers there, and they've got these big catapults, and they're going to fight the Germanians. Um, and um, so he's encouraging his troops, and um, he takes a, uh, some of the troops on horse, horsemen, and they go around into the forest kind of uh, to flank the Germanians that they're going to be fighting. And as he's talking to these men, he's telling them to hold the line, stay with me. And he, he makes this statement. He said, what we do in life echoes in eternity. And when I saw that movie, the first thing I thought of is that's so true for us as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. What we do in this life matters about eternity. The first thing that matters, obviously, is our salvation, trusting in Christ, believing in. And, and as we sang the song, what we believe, we believe in the crucifixion, we believe that he died. We believe that he rose again. That's what saves us. 
Um, but we also believe that we can honor God, that we can, that what we do in our life after we're saved. Just a, a verse that um, kind of capsulizes um, our Christian life and what it's really about. And you're all familiar with this, these verses. This is um, Ephesians chapter uh, 2, verses 8 through 10. Sometimes we forget to read verse 10. But this is what it says. For by grace have you been, you've been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works. You're not saved by works. You're saved by your faith in Christ, lest anyone should boast. And then verse 10 says this. For we are his workmanship. We are his masterpiece created in Christ Jesus. We're a new creature in Christ um, for the purpose of good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We're not saved by good works, but we do good works afterwards that God has prepared. And the way he's prepared those things is he's told those good works to us in the scriptures. Um, an example would be all the one another's in scriptures, love one another, pray for one another, encourage one another. Those are all ways that we walk in those good works, sharing our faith with other people, etc. all those kinds of things. Um, up on the screen just in a moment, you'll see um, a couple of pictures. I've had the privilege to go to Greece and Turkey on some biblical uh, tours. Um, every Roman city, every large Roman city had a bima seat or a judgment seat. Um, and it was used for several different things. It was used in the marketplace, the agora. Um, the picture on your, well, the picture on your right is the marketplace. It's actually the picture, this is in Corinth. Uh, which is in Greece. Um, that's the marketplace, the big open area. And then what you see there, the Acropolis in the back, and then you see that raised standard, and usually would have a lot of Roman pillars on it, it'd be really fancy. Um, and that was the Bema seat. And they used that for several different things. Um, you can see it like uh, Paul stood for, from, uh, in front of Galeo uh, in uh, Acts chapter 18. He was actually in Corinth, so it could have been in that in front of that very place right there. Um, and he stood while he was being accused of some things. We also see it when Jesus stood before Pilate and they were deciding, um, Pilate said, well, who do you want me to give to you? Do you want me to give you Jesus or do you want me to give you Barabbas? And he, they were, he was on the Bema seat in Jerusalem. And so it was used for, um, for um Rulers to do judgments, uh, to make announcements. But Paul also uses the same thing. Um, it was used for a reward stand. Um, athletes. Um, Corinth was known for the Isthmian Games, kind of like the Olympic Games in Rome. They were known for these games, and whoever the winner of these different contests would come to that very same platform to receive their laurel wreath, their wreath because they won. And that's the idea that Paul has behind when he begins to tell us and talk to us about um, what the Bema seat of Christ is about. So here's a verse that actually uses that word. It's translated in the English Bema. I mean, it's in judgment, but it's actually the Bema seat. It's the Greek word Bema. And so here's a verse. I know you're going to be familiar with this. This is out of 2 Corinthians chapter um, 5, verse 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. And the word bad there is um, phallos, 
which means worthless. It's not talking about sin. So here's one clarification. I want you to keep this in mind. The Bema Seat of Christ or the Judgment Seat of Christ is different than the great white throne judgment that's in Revelation chapter 20. These are two different things, and here's the way to remember it. At the Bema Seat, only Christians will stand before Christ. It's not about sin. It's not about judgment for sin because that's already passed. That's already been done. It was paid for on the cross. Jesus paid for all of our sin, not just some of them, just not part of them. This is about rewards. This is about what we've done after we've been saved. So that's the Bema Seat or the Judgment Seat. The white throne judgment out of Revelation 20, only people that are going to be there are the unsaved. And that's the, to determine their punishment in hell. They will go to the lake of fire. It's just to determine because he has the books are open, etc. So the way to remember this is the Bema Seat or the Judgment Seat of Christ is for Christians only, and it's really a reward stand. The White Throne Judgment is for the unsaved only, and Christ, and you can read Revelation 20, uh, verses 11 through 15, I think it is. You can read that, and you can see that's when Jesus cast this, their, it's called the second death. It's their final place. Those who never received Christ, those who were not saved in the Old Testament or not saved in the tribulation period, um, they will go to hell. They will go to the lake of fire. And you can just read that. So, But I want you to know that, again, Bema Seat, only Christians, it's for rewards. White throne judgment, only the unsaved, and it's they're going to the second death. They're going, um, they're going to hell. They're going to the lake of fire. So when we want to find out a little bit about the Bema Seat, um, we're going to ask four questions. And so I have those listed. I was giving Jim a bad time um, that um, I tried to make the printing as small as I possibly could so that you couldn't read it. No, I actually had to do that so that I could get everything I wanted on there. Um, and um, so we want to answer these four questions. Um, I have the scriptures. Another reason why I took so much is because I have the scriptures written out for you. What's important is not what I say. It's what God has said. And I have the verses there so you can see. And that way you're not flipping through your Bible. We're not looking at just one passage. So I have the verses there so you can look. And I, the reason I do notes, two reasons. Number one, so that I remember what I want to say. And number two, so you can take it home and look at it again. And see, be like the Berean Christians. Look to see that what I'm saying really comes from the Word of God. That's what we want. Um, as I was coming here and I was praying, God, this is not about me. It's about your people. It's about encouraging them. It's about teaching them. It's about them learning and drawing closer to you. It's about understanding these wonderful truths out of your word so that we can respond to you in love. The reason we serve is out of love for Christ. The reason we do these good works is not to gain salvation. It's because we already got it. We've already got so much, and so we respond in love to Christ and our Father through the Spirit by doing these good works that God, and it, that verse says he foreordained them, or he, he planned them out in eternity past. He decided the things he wanted us to do. We see them in his word, and that's how we respond. God, I want to obey you because I love you, because you've loved me so much. So let's, let's ask these questions and answer them. The first question, when will the Bema Seat take place? Now, there's a lot of different scriptures. There's a lot of different thoughts. 
um, I, I, I talked to Mark, and I said, I'm going to mention the rapture of the church. And know every church is a little different about what they believe about that, when it's going to take place, and all those things. And um, so after I'm gone, you may get the corrected version of what I'm about to say. Um, but I believe that the next thing on God's prophetic calendar is the rapture of the church. And if you're not familiar with the rapture of the church, we're going to read about that in just a second. Um, it's when Jesus comes back, not to the earth. That's the second coming. He comes back and we meet him in the air. That's in First Thessalonians. We'll see that in just a minute. So I believe that the Bema Seat of Christ is going to take place in heaven shortly after the rapture of the church. So that's my first, first point is that Christian rewards are given on that day which is connected to his return. You can see I put a couple verses there. We're going to read these two verses again. It's what God has said that's important, not what I have said. Finally, Paul said, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness. Part of our rewards are described as crowns. It's a Greek word, stephanos. It's a, it's a crown of victory. That's the type of crown it is. And all throughout the New Testament, when he talks about crowns that are given to Christians, um, he uses that word, Stephanos. You can remember that. Um, it's given on that day, which is connected to Christ's return. So finally, um, there's laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not only for me, but also all, all Christians who loved his appearing. You can actually get a reward for looking forward to the return of Christ. Isn't that amazing? You get a reward for looking for the one that you want to come. You get rewarded if you're looking for him every day. The second verse is out of 1 Corinthians chapter 10, and this has to do with the Bema seat and also the return of Christ, according to the grace of God, which was given to me like a wise master builder. This is Paul writing, I laid a foundation, another is building on it. But each person, each Christian, must be careful how he builds on it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation, Jesus, with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, that's the kind of building material, and he's going to relate that to something else. Each one's work will become clear for the day, that's the day that we, as the Bema seat, that day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test um, each one's work, what sort or quality is the idea of the word there. It is. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet as through fire. A few verses later, still in the context, therefore judge nothing before the time until the Lord comes who will both bring to light the hidden things in the darkness and disclose the motives of, of human hearts, and then praise will come to each person from God. He's going to see the motive of our heart. That's going to be revealed. We, we sometimes know what it is, sometimes we don't. And he's going to reveal that. That all happens at the Bema seat. We'll talk about that a little bit more in just a moment. Secondly, under the Bema seat, when it will take place, Jesus said when he comes... His rewards will be with him to give to each believer according to their work. Um, you can see that in Revelations 22, and you can see it in Revelations 3. We're not going to read those verses. You can read them later because 
my goal is to be done by 12. So you believe in miracles, right? Because if I finish by 12, it will be a miracle. But I'm giving it my best shot here. So when he comes, read Revelation, you can see the verse there. His reward is going to be with him. It's the same word that he uses in 1 Corinthians, that same word for reward. So when he comes back, he's going to have his reward with him. That's when he raptures the church. Shortly right after that, I believe that the Bema seat, the reward stand, remember that's what it is, reward stand will take place, and then you will be rewarded for the things that you did after you got saved. Okay, so we're gonna, we'll talk a little bit more about that in a moment. Thirdly, C, when Jesus returns at the end of the tribulation, this is his second coming where he comes to the earth with the church, his bride. She is arrayed in fine linen, which is described as the righteous acts of the saint. Let's, let's read those verses. Let us be glad and rejoice and give glory for the marriage of the lamb has come and his wife, the church, has made herself ready and to her was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. So there's two pictures that we see, especially in the book of Revelations. We see the church, believers who are in heaven, they're in white robes. Most of the time, what it pictures is the righteousness of Christ that we are given. So the moment that you're saved, your sin is dealt with, it's paid for, um, it's done away with. That's part of it. The second part of it is, you get the righteousness of Christ. When Jesus was talking to the disciples and telling them that the Spirit was going to come, this is John 14, 15, right in there. He said this to them. It's imperative that I go away, because when I go, I'm going to send you the Spirit, another comforter, another of the same kind and quality as I am. I'm going to send you the Spirit, and he's going to convict the world of sin and righteousness and judgment sin because they believe not on me righteousness because i go to my father and judgment because the prince of this world has been judged the reason he convicts them of righteousness is because we can't do enough righteousness to get into heaven ourselves so we have to deal with the sin problem which jesus did he paid for it that awful penalty that we deserve to pay he paid for it he died he took the wrath of god so that's this great exchange. We give Jesus all of our sin, and he pays for the life that we live. He gives us his righteousness. We get credit for the life that he lived. That's why we can go to heaven. Both things. Payment for sin, we have the righteousness of Christ. So when we see the white robes, most of the time it's talking about we're robed in the righteousness of Christ. But here in particular, he says, that in this case, the, right, the robes, the white robes for believers are the righteous acts of the saints. That tells me that anything unrighteous that we did, anything we did like serving or whatever we did with a bad attitude, or we weren't filled with the Spirit or whatever it might be, we weren't obedient in those kind of things. Again, it has nothing to do with salvation. But it reflects the righteousness of Christ that we already have when we do those righteous works. And so part of what we see there is that we are dressed in the righteous works that we did, empowered by the Spirit, that reflects the righteousness of Christ that we already have. So those are all reasons why I think 
the Bema seat will take place right after the rapture. Now, who will be at the Bema seat? Every Christian and only Christians. All New Testament believers, all church saints will be at the rapture, even those who have gone before us in death, and therefore will be at the Bema seat. So 1 Thessalonians um, 4, I'm, I'm not sure. Some of these verses I had to cut down, not give you the whole thing that I was going to read. Um, so let's just look at this, and whatever you might have, um, I'll kind of explain what, what I've got here now. So this is out of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 and 14. So the reason Paul wrote this to the Thessalonians, he'd been there, he shared about a lot of things about what was going to happen. A lot of them got saved. He went away, went to a, a different church. He's traveling around uh, Asia Minor, which is Turkey, and then Greece after the Macedonian call. Um, for, uh, Thessalonica was in Greece. Um, so he went there. He taught there. He was there for three Sabbaths or so. Um, so all of a sudden, some people that accepted Christ while he was there died. So they're wondering, what happens to these folks? I mean, do, do they? what happens? Jesus is going to come back because he taught about that. What happens to them? So that's why he's writing to them. That's why he says, I don't want you to be uninformed about this. Concerning those who have fallen asleep, those who have died, lest, sorrow as, lest you have sorrows of others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, God will bring with him, will bring with Jesus, those who sleep in Jesus. Let me explain something. You probably already know this. But when, when a Christian dies, their body stays here, Right? We've all seen them, right? But their soul and spirit, their inner part, goes to be with the Lord immediately. There's no, you know, there's no hanging out place. There's no purgatory. There's none of those things. Second Corinthians 5 says this, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. It's immediate presence. The moment a Christian dies, their inner person, their soul and spirit, goes directly to be with Christ. Okay? So what he's saying here is that the people that were in that church that died, they went directly to... Now, their bodies are still there, right? But they went directly to be with Christ. And so Paul's reminding them that. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For we say to you by the word of the Lord that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ, their physical body, will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So here's what happens. We're all sitting here right now. The Lord Jesus comes back. Those who are friends, loved ones, family members who are, were Christians and died, their soul and spirit's already in heaven, but their body's buried or cremated or whatever might have happened to it. God's going to bring back every one of those molecules of those bodies. And that soul and spirit of that person that's in heaven comes back with Jesus and gets reunited with that body immediately. And then everybody who's alive, say it's going to happen, say it was going to happen right now. We're all alive and we're Christians. 1 Corinthians 15 says, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, we're all going to be changed. This mortal body has to put on immortality. This body that's perishable has to put on imperishability. In other words, it'll never die again. And that all happens immediately. And then we go together and meet the Lord in the air. 
So let me just read it again. For we say to you by the word of the Lord that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord shall not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ, their physical body, will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. That's called the rapture of the church. It's a Greek word harpazo. It means to snatch, to take by force. So much more we could say about that, but, but I won't. So everybody who's in that, every Christian, those who have died, those who are alive, when all that happens, we're raptured. And then at some point right after that, the Bema seat, the judgment seat, the reward stand takes place for every Christian. And then B, all the passages that deal with the Bema seat, rewards in the epistles, all the writings of Paul and Peter, John, um, are addressed to believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. I put, put a bunch of verses there, and then I put etc. because there's a lot more. Where these rewards would be given. Now, and I added this, um, and I don't want to really get into it a lot, but the other people, Old Testament saints, the people that are saved during the tribulation period, people that are saved during the millennial kingdom, because there'll be some people saved then too, they all, when they get their resurrected bodies, they're all going to be war rewarded at that time. But listen to what 2 Corinthians 5.10 says. For we must all appear before the judgment of Christ. That means every Christian will be there. Okay, so that answers that question. What will happen at the Bema Seat? Rewards for walking in the good works that God ordained for us. So all those good works we read about in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. He ordained these good works. All the, the things that he's commanded us to do in the scriptures. Um, Praying for one another, um, serving, um, giving, um, being merciful, you know, all the different kinds of service and things. You know, I, I want you to know, it's not just pastors that get all the goodies, right? You, when you pray for somebody, when you make that phone call, when you write them a note, um, when you're kind to people, when you, when you do it because you love Jesus and you love them because they're your brother or sister in Christ, or when you share your testimony with someone who's not saved, all those things, all those things are part of the good works that God has given. And as we're faithful in those, God's going to reward us for those things. You don't have to be up front to be rewarded. In fact, Paul calls the, the spiritual gifts that are not the ones that are up front, he calls them the ones that are more worthy. What you guys do, what you as Christians do in your community and in your family and in your church family means a, a lot. It does a ton of things to each other. You know how you feel when you get a note. When you say someone, when someone says you, I'll be praying for you. Um, when someone brings you a meal because you just had surgery, how much that means to you, and it means that much to God too. When you do those things, never think that that's, that's so little. It doesn't really mean anything. No, it does. It means a lot. And you're going to be rewarded for those kinds of things also. So we must all appear before the judgment seat, the bema seat, the reward stand of Christ, so that each one may receive his recompense, his reward is the idea of the word there, or compensation sometimes it's, it's um, translated. For the deeds done through the body in according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Again, bad is not sin. Bad is worthless. In other words, I did it. I said, yeah, okay, I need to give in the offering today. Everybody's looking, so I got to give something. No, that you gave it out of the wrong motive. You didn't give it because you love Jesus. You gave it because you didn't want to be embarrassed in front of your friend or whatever it might be. If we're doing things 
not by the power of the Spirit, that's the stuff that's going to be burned off, which is really a blessing. You'll never have to face that again. That's gone, right? That'll be burned up. We'll look at that in just a second. So what will happen at the Bema seat? All these rewards that we're supposed to be walking and we're going to be rewarded from, our works, this is A under number three, our works, our service, our ministry, will be evaluated by Christ to see if they were good. They were agathos. That's the Greek word for good there. And it means beneficial or useful. Was it beneficial to that other person? Was it beneficial to your church family or whatever it might be? Was it beneficial to your neighbor? Whatever it might be. Um, or if, not, if it's not beneficial or phallos, worthless, somebody translated good for nothing. So if you did it because, you know, I should do this, but I don't really want to do it, but I'm going to just do it anyway. Um, that's obviously you're not going to get rewarded for that. That's wrong attitude. Um, so. Second Corinthians 10, for must all appear before the judgment of Christ so that each one may receive his recompense, his reward for the deeds done in the body in accordance with what he has done, whether good or bad. Remember, it's not sinful because all the sin part was dealt with at the cross. Revelations 1.14, John describes the glorified Christ with eyes like a flame of fire. I think that Jesus is going to be able to just look at our works the word for um, test here means like to test the, the um, metals. Um, and the way they would test metals sometimes is they would heat them up to see if, what they would look like when they were melted. And that purifies them too. Um, I think Jesus will be able to just look at what we've done, our works. He'll burn up those things we didn't do for the right motives, that we didn't do it in the power of the Spirit. He'll burn those up and take care of those so they're gone. But the things that remain are going to be the things that he rewards us for. And it's amazing that he likens the things. He says the building materials, he likens them to gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw. Now, which one of those, which group of those is going to last when you put the fire to it? Gold, silver, precious stones, right? Hay, wood, and stubble, when you put fire to that, that's gone. It's burned off. And so the Lord does us a great favor. He gets rid of the things we didn't do in his name, for his glory, by the power of the Spirit. He like gets burned off. But everything that remains, he rewards us for. So what's going to happen at the Bema Seat? We're going to be rewarded for the things we, the good works that we did in the power of Jesus, in the power of the Spirit. We're going to be rewarded. Jesus is going to look at those, and it, he says it, he's going to look at the quality of, of each man's work. So, did I do it in Jesus' name? Did I do it in the power of the Spirit? Did I do it for His glory? And um, that will be taken care of. This is not about shame. This is about sanctification. I don't think there's going to be a big screen TV and everything you did for Jesus is going to show up on the screen. Everybody's going to see it. And all the stuff that gets burned away, you're going to like bow your head and you're going to be embarrassed. No, it's not going to be that way at all. I think it's going to be individual because God is omniscient. He's omnipresent. Jesus has all the qualities of God. Those things are going to happen immediately, simultaneously with every person there. It's not going to be this big. Everybody's going to be laughing at you. Oh, look at you did that. Now, I saw you do that. In fact, I knew you didn't do it in Jesus' name. None of that. That's all foolishness. That's all worldly. He's, Jesus is going to get rid of all the stuff we did not in his name and not in his power but he's going to reward us for all the things that are left. We're all going to have some smoke. Just let me say that. Right? We're all going to have some smoke. 
There's, we're all going to have things that are going to be burned up. Praise the Lord. I'm glad he's going to burn up that stuff I didn't do in his name. I didn't do it in the power of the Spirit. I didn't do it for his glory. I did it for me. I did it so I could get my name in the bulletin or whatever other stupid things that we think about sometimes. Or someone will come pat me on the back. We don't do it for him, that. We do it for Jesus because we love him, because he loves us. So what will happen? We see that we get rewarded for that. See, uh, rewards will be given to those works that pass the test. Um, you're going to receive a reward. D, those works that don't pass the test will be burned up. We looked at that. Four, what rewards, crowns will be given? Here are some considerations. Our rewards are likened to heavenly treasures. You can see that in Matthew 20, I mean Matthew 6, 20, and 1 Timothy chapter 6. Let's just read those verses. You remember this. There's a whole passage about this. But Jesus says this, but lay up treasures. Don't lay up treasures on the earth, right? That's what he says. But he, then he says, but lay up treasures for yourself in heaven. How do you do that? By walking in the good works that God has ordained for us. That's how you lay up treasures, the rewards that you're going to get. And then First Timothy says, he's talking about, Timothy, I want you to encourage rich people. Help them not to trust in their riches. He doesn't tell them to sell everything. He says, don't trust in it. And then he says this, be rich in good works. That's what we're to do, whether we're, I mean, compared to the rest of the world, we're all really rich. We really are. But be rich in good works. Be ready to give. Be willing to share. All those things fall in the category of the good works that God has ordained for us to do. Storing up for themselves a good foundation for the future. It literally means to amass a treasure. In the Greek, that's what it means. To amass a treasure. So our, our rewards are likened to heavenly treasures b some rewards may be verbal we're all very familiar with the different parables that talk about the servants that the master left he gave him some some coins he gave him some currency and um, he left and then he came back and then he held him accountable for what he got what they had what'd you do with that what i gave you and when they did the right thing with that he said these words well done thou good and faithful servant wouldn't you want to hear that from the Lord Jesus Christ? As we stand before him, he would say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. At the end, we already looked at 1 Corinthians chapter 4, but, but the very last part of that, he says, then each one's praise will come from God. So part of the rewards are going to be God's going to say, well done. He's going to praise you rightly for walking in his commandments and doing the good works that he's lined out for you. It's not about your salvation. You're not keeping your salvation. None of those works have to do anything about your salvation. It has to do with your service. It has to do with you loving Jesus so much that I'm willing to do that. I'm willing to teach kindergartners. I'm willing to come and, and clean up the, the yard around the church. I'm willing to, whatever it might be. Then... Um, there's going to be some crowns. These are all listed in Scripture. Um, I have the verses there. I want you to read them yourself. But here's the different crowns that are listed. One's called the incorruptible crown. It's for continuing to discipline yourself in order to finish the race. You need to read that. There's the crown of exaltation for faithful witness and follow-up on new believers. One of the shortcomings that we as believers have sometimes is we share our, our testimony, we share 
or faith with someone else, and if they make some kind of profession of faith, we need to follow up with that. We need to, we need to get some materials for them and then sit down with them and say, here's, here's what happened to you when you got saved. Here's these wonderful things. Come to church with me or whatever it might be. We need to not only rejoice that they made some kind of profession, but we need to follow up and make sure that now they're growing in Christ. So the crown of, of exaltation, the crown of life for enduring trials and overcoming temptation. You can read that in both James and the book of the Revelation. The crown of righteousness for faithful service, looking for Jesus' return. So you're serving and you're looking for your return. This is what Paul said about the Thessalonians. He said, they turned from idols to God to serve the living and the true God and to wait for his son from heaven. They were serving and they were waiting. And the idea there is they were looking in anticipation. We need to have on our minds it could be today. Jesus could come back today. There's nothing in God's word. This is my this is my opinion of what I see in the scriptures. There's nothing stopping Jesus from coming. It's only the timing of the Father. There's nothing that needs to take place. Jesus could come back at any minute. It's the imminent return. That's what I believe. So I'm looking for him to return. And then um, the crown of glory. Now this is a unique one because it looks like it's just for the elders in the church. Um, the crown of glory. Let me just read you that this verse. Shepherd the flock of God among you. Exercise oversight not under compulsion, but voluntarily, according to the will of God, and not with greed, but with eagerness, nor yet as domineering over those who are assigned to your care, but by proving to be examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. That seems like it's talking to the elders of the church, that there's a specific uh, crown that they can get. Um, here's the last verse. We'll just read it. Any crown that we receive, this is what the revelation says, any crown that we will receive, we're going to cast it at the Savior's feet because he's the one who deserves all the glory and all the credit. Here's the verse. And when the living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to him who sits on the throne, to him who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders, which is a representation of the church, the reason I say that is because you see in the book of Revelations, the 24 elders are wearing crowns. The 24 elders are dressed in white robes. The 24 elders are, um, there was another one. I can't remember what it is right now. But um, the 24 elders represent the church, the, the, the resurrected church, the raptured church, us when we're in heaven. They will fall down before him who sits on the throne and they will worship him who lives forever and ever and will cast their crowns before the throne saying, worthy are you, O Lord, our God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things. And because of you, because of your will, they exist and were created. Let's pray. Father, what a joy it is to share your word. What a joy it is to see the truths of your word. They encourage us. 
Help us, Father. It's never too late to serve you. Maybe we haven't been doing the kinds of things that we should. But tomorrow, or even today, this afternoon, is a new opportunity to serve you. Thank you, Father, that we can change our mind. We can start doing the things that you've called us to do. I pray for your people. Encourage them today. I know that many here, Father, have been serving you, and they serve you, and none of us does it perfectly. But thank you, Father, in your grace and mercy, not only do you save us, but then you reward us when we do what is right and when we do the good works that you have ordained for us in eternity past for us to do. Empower us by your spirit to do it, Father, because we want you and we want your son to receive all the glory. And then, Father, what an amazing privilege it will be that whatever crowns we get, whatever rewards are there, we're going to take them off and we're going to give them to the one who really deserves all of the credit and all of the glory and all of the honor. That's our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And we pray in his name. Amen.